0: EVO 2018 was amazing, with incredible competition, most entertaining drama, and one missed opportunity we hope they'll fix for future years. We talk about all of it, plus debate which developer we think won EVO with their reveals this year, and a whole lot more. This is the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect! And we're back with yet another cast. Today's has so much information because it is the post-Evo extravaganza. We had so much going on with um, various different titles over the weekend, from top competitors showing off to the entire world what they have to offer to brand new reveals with new characters, and then, of course, all the drama and, and the chaos and the fun times that was Evo 2018. There's a lot to get into, and then even more announcements today on the Super Smash Bros. front, so without too much further ado, I am John Velociraptor Guerrero, and with me is John Catalyst Gray, and we are going to try to tackle all of this and keep it under nine hours, but there's no promises here.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm so hyped right now. I'm almost kind of forgetting my own name. Like you mentioned, John cows'm Who's that? <laughs> who that right now? So I am literally going crazy here with all the stuff we get to talk about. So yeah, I mean, let's just get right into it, actually, because there's so much to cover. Uh, I I'd like to start actually with your Evo experience and just like what it was like going to Vegas. I've been out there a few times. I'm not the biggest fan of Vegas, but you know, it's it's still Evo is is it's an experience like anything else in the fighting game community. Like, if you've never been, I highly recommend that you go. But there's some, you know, there's some warts maybe that on the experience that people might not sure, be aware sure. of. Sure, sure. Well, so. Vegas
0: itself is a double-edged sword, of course. Uh, very, very good. Um, I like to use the uh, an, the example of... Um, In the entranceway to Excalibur, one of the hotels there, there is a moving walkway that leads into the casino, but definitely not a moving walkway that moves out. And Vegas is all about getting you to come in and all the glitz and glamour, uh, but it's very surface level and (laughs) all the fun is uh, is pretty fleeting and it's very easy to fall into a lot of traps of,
1: of uh, overindulgence in various different avenues. That said. Uh, speaking of traps, actually, just so if people don't know if that they haven't been into casino, maybe, you know, some of our younger readers, like I believe they're actually designed like mazes so that they're difficult for you to find your way out of once you get into them so that you stay longer and you kind of go around more things. Like I, I need to make sure that's not a myth, but I'm pretty sure it's legit that they design them like in a confusing way so you can't find your way back out
0: twists and turns in them. And you're always going to have to go past one more table that you could potentially, uh, you know, drop your money at before you get to the cashier or the outside. So (laughs) very much a a good time. I personally did okay this year as far as uh, the Vegas experience. I didn't overdo it with drinking or anything like that. So I never felt hungover or super gross all day. And I did okay with uh, the craps tables. So that was fun too. Um, But as far as the gaming experience with EVO, it's it's unlike any other major. It's similar to other majors in that, you know, it's a collection of uh, of a lot of top players or some people that you only see if you go to majors and such. And, and you know, you're all connected through this similar uh, hobby and interest and passion that we all have, which is really cool. But Evo is that on steroids, of course, because you're doing that across the entire world, seeing people from other countries and other cultures and, and everything. And it's this big hodgepodge of, well, overstimulation, I should say. Because you can go in and see... Uh, all the the uh, the vendors that have these cool, you know, merchandise, shirts, bags, stick bags, things like that. You can meet Daigo and Team CYG and their cheerleaders <laughs> that they brought with them, which is pretty <laughs> epic. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, pretty awesome. Um, you can go check out the new games that were on the way out. Of course, that's like Dead or Alive 6 or Soul Calibur. Um, yeah, Dead or Alive 6, Soul Calibur 6, um, the new Smash, things like that. And then, of course, is the uh, setups and such where people are actually playing their games and those are uh, throughout this entire like airplane hangar-esque um, venue area where the first two days were played. And then, of course, the, uh, the finals were all in the, what is it, Mandalay Bay Event Center. So uh, it, was, it was nonstop. You could do pretty much whatever you wanted at any time um, outside of the restriction of your pool schedules and such. That was, that was really the only schedule you actually had to put on yourself. Otherwise, it was just vacation. And for me personally a lot of the time went to gaming and hanging out with friends and paying too much for crappy pizza, stuff like that. But then there was also, you know, it, it, it feels like the major experience, the, the fighting game major experience is, is different than it used to be. Um, and I, we've talked about this before multiple times, um, and I won't go too far into this because I think I'm going to write an article on it. But one of the things that I really was hoping to see at EVO, um, because we've been seeing it at other events and did not see was uh, a casual dedicated area where after you've played or before you've played your pool matches and such, you can go and you can mix and mingle uh, in the game that you play or the games that you play with these other players from around the world that you don't normally get an opportunity to play, at least not offline.
1: And, and, yeah, I just want to name drop here too and just interject like people are like, okay, you know, well, I can go play casuals against, you know, my friends all the time. Like, what's the big deal? I was like, no, like, there's people like Mena RD hanging out like in the casual area and you can go challenge the Capcom Cup guy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, for a few matches and whatnot. And you've actually played Mena RD before uh, he won Capcom Cup. Like, he, he was actually helping with the birdie matchup. Yeah, I that played right? him at CEO last... Uh, Last year, so 2017 CEO, I think it was right. And so it, it, there's a there's a there's a big opportunity that people probably don't realize at, at tournaments sometimes. Where if you're kind of a you know a veteran of going to tournaments and whatnot, you realize hey, there's a bunch of casuals and all that. Like you know, just say hey, I got next, and you know, be polite, be respectful when you're talking to you know uh, other players, you know, and trying to get your time in there, but. It's a great opportunity at most mm-hmm. tournaments, but maybe not. Well, we've this
0: seen morning. it at SCR, we've seen it at Combo Breaker, we've seen it at CEO, and I'm sure there are a handful others. And it's like it's not a hard written rule that that has to be there, but when you go. To these events to play fighting games, you really want the opportunity to play outside of just you know your competitive um, pool play and such. Or, and if you get out, then everything beyond that. But some people go 0 and 2. You know, a lot of people go 0 and 2, just as the way brackets work. And then, you know, you know, you might not be done playing at that point. And, uh, I mean, I was able to, like, kind of finagle my way in in between pool, like, sets because it's two hours between blocks and sometimes pools finish faster and then you can just play on the stations while, while they're waiting for, you know, an, an, another wave of pools to kind of come. But, like, that's not very reliable and such. And in an event like EVO, you would really hope that you'd be able to have that experience. And I saw some players, I think Brian F. was one of them, maybe the most notable of them, saying, like, this really sucks that I can't, you know, find casual matches to play now that i'm here um and and it used to be that you could just walk up and down the halls of the venue and just listen for buttons but it doesn't seem like people are, are as right. quick to bring their their setups anymore it's kind of a pain in the butt you know to bring a monitor and, a, and a, a playstation or an xbox or whatever and set it up in your room and such and um so there are like salty suites but that's more vip and kind of for the top players we're talking more about just the general public um and so i would i would hope that in the future we get this at evo it's not like a demand they don't i mean it's their prerogative to do this or not and, and even throwing like an extra 5 or 10 bucks into the Um, what's it called the the entry fee for the tournament i wouldn't mind if that was what was required to make sure that we had these extra setups for all these games because really otherwise like you kind of have to go do other stuff now in vegas you can go do that because there's an entirety of vegas you know you can go shopping and gamble and drink or go eat or whatever like there's you can do anything you want in vegas as we established i think last week but at a lot of other events if you don't have that it's like well then you just sit and twiddle your thumbs for a while or or you know hope to get into one of these salty suites or something like that. So uh, hopefully next year at EVO, we have a a dedicated casuals area where people can get matches in. But that's just a light critique of everything. Overall, the entire experience was very fun. It was great both in gameplay and just in general experience, walking around, talking to people, uh, mixing and mingling and such. And definitely we'll go back next year. And for anyone that hasn't been, if you can start saving now, I
1: would highly suggest doing that because it is well worth the experience. There you go. And I also, you know, I'm high up on my list even though I haven't been to a CEO. it's I've heard great things about it every year. I've been to SDR, Level Up does a great job every year. There, there's a lot of great major tournaments kind of around the, the US and other places and whatnot. You just go to support your majors, support your locals, all that. Like the experience is great, like pretty much everywhere you go. For the most part, there's some you know there's some tournaments we're not gonna you know put them on blast here that like maybe don't have the best of reputations, but for the most part you go anywhere in the FGC you can have a really great mm-hmm. time and I always recommend going out to events where you can and uh, and yeah Capcom Cup's one of my favorites every single year Capcom puts on one hell of a show uh, and then the last couple of years it's been the the PlayStation experience it has been attached to it but uh but yeah so I had a little bit of a, a different experience there, here with Evo because I, I stayed at home covering oh, yeah. with Nick and uh, we yeah <laughs> I was working. Uh, Ten twelve 12 hour days like each day someone like that uh Meg Tension was working about 16 hour days each day and uh yeah it's uh it it shows in the results story if you can you know go take a look at that like all the battle logs all the you know teams and all that like even the, the finals day like Nick is going back there is like hey he's like I added like 100 more teams to Dragon Ball Fighters and I'm like damn dude you are you are the definition of dedicated uh but but to to get more about uh you know Evo and less about you know our experiences out there um Bandai Namco, I think, just killed it with their Evo announcements, uh, and, and just and not only your announcements, but like just the whole way they handled the event. They got their producers in tournament. Harada uh, actually went one and two playing Tekken Seven, and he was wearing an Echo Fox jersey. You hmm. know, kind of doing his little you know uh, impression of you know Saint JDCR and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, he was he was really having it up for the camera. Uh, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, Hiroki a Dragon Ball Fighters producer also played in tournament, and it was just like. Oh, it's like, dude, that's so cool. Like Capcom's always had this hardcore rule of like, hey, you know, our people can't play in tournament, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I mean, I get it maybe for like, you know, the top end, like staff members that they have. Uh, For those who don't know, Seth Killian one time told us that that there there are some staff members at Capcom who are incredible. Uh, Obviously we know um, the Guilty Gear player who finished second at, uh, infamously finished uh, second at Evo and his name is just escaping me at the moment, but. uh, It wasn't wasn't Woshige that you're talking about, right? yeah uh uh, uh, yeah that's your the guy who lost count unfortunately (laughs) yeah uh he's um he's a very good player apparently there's a handful of other very very top end players you know the producers of these games they don't necessarily they're not able to play them at a high level they understand the games like fundamentally very differently uh you know from character selection all that kind of stuff like there's a you know a whole different skill set that that falls in there but regardless my point is is like namco bandai was not afraid to throw their employees into the pool and be like hey guys like go out there have fun like go mingle with you know the the players out there and like put on a show and whatnot and they did and it was like dude that's so cool like i wish other companies would do more of that uh and again i'm kind of pointing the finger here at capcom where they they lock down so many of these things that that should be fun it's like dude like like embrace what the community is like go have fun let let your you know people play in it and whatnot and and yeah like do that like it's cool so
0: absolutely so wait um you're talking about the it sounded like you started that with like the reveals and such that Bandai Namco went over right. and 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 produced for Evo. Um, was that where you were going with that though?
1: Oh yeah, well I mean there's just like so many things yeah. to cover, so I'm uh, kind of losing my uh, my mind here over. It. But um, yeah, uh, Negan obviously for uh, Tekken Seven. I'm not a Walking Dead fan, but we've got multiple Walking Dead fans on the uh, on the staff, and th- so they talk about it all the time. And then uh, John Velociraptor here is notorious for trolling Dream King Steven, by sending him photos of of Negan and uh, what is this? Oh is his name? Jeffrey, like, Jeffrey Dean, Dean, Dean Morgan. Morgan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he always there's this photo of him with like this gigantic smile on his face and whatnot and i I, negan i'm like i loosely familiar with the character and whatnot but he just like trolls him in the i just use it as like an emoji
0: whenever he says something kind of silly i'll just send that face as well (laughs) and because (laughs) because this actually was a conversation that we had right after the epic and i won't spoil anything but when negan entered the um, this the TV show for The Walking Dead. It was probably the most memorable moment of the show thus far, more or less, um, because he he you know is this bad guy that had this huge buildup and then um, appeared on the scene, killed like two really big characters and we didn't know who the second one was for an entire ending of a season to the beginning of a next one Mm. so there was so much hype around this character and obviously comic book fans were already well aware of him as a character but you know of course when it goes on tv you're going to get a lot more people and we actually, when, this was like two years ago that this kind of happened, and when it did, we were like, you know, this is, Dream King specifically was like, this is a character that should be in Mortal Kombat. Adapter Trigger was saying the same <laughs> idea, and I was like, yeah, it makes total sense. He walks around with a bat with um, barbed wire wrapped around it. He's got this perfect, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of like very calm and controlled, uh, you know, in control, bad guy kind of persona which very much fits with like you know your Geese Howard's or even your M Bison's kind of style. So it made total sense for this character to kind of jump into fighting games. That was two years ago though, and I've 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 heard that Walking Dead's kind of falling off as far as like I mean, it went
1: from like maybe the biggest show on television to people are starting to talk crap hey, on Twitter. Hey, hey John, I, yeah, I just have to jump in. Did you hear that sound? Mm. Like that was the sound of like thousands of angry people like tweeting at us just right now when you said the show is walking <laughs> well <laughs> I, I, I i don't know if you should am, go there or not but i have you know, not, I'm not seen just the most yeah.
0: recent season because i i wait for netflix right. and um i haven't taken issue with the show yet so this is not personal for me i'm just saying what i've heard is people that are like like i've gotcha. seen um like youtube thumbnails like when the walking dead started going downhill and and then enough of that kind of sentiment throughout like different avenues of the internet where it sounds like it's waning in its popularity and that happens with shows Like you can only be amazing for so long anyways that all to say that Negan is a very interesting choice a kind of a WTF choice for Tekken specifically and for Tekken in 2000 well maybe 19 because he appeared at the end of a. Uh, there were other there were other reveals for the Tekken 7 um well I guess we'll get into this season 2 uh DLC pack um first two characters we'll, we'll go over that but there were like three or two or three more in the middle and then, and then one on the end and that was uh, shown to be Negan and so it's like we might who knows how long it's going to take for this character to actually come out and it just seems like a little bit missing of the boat when it comes to the timing on this and then the game that he's in it's like yeah you can be in Tekken sure but like the character with the barbed wire baseball bat that murders people by smashing their face in uh, might fit Mortal Kombat a little bit more
1: I've heard that. But also, I mean, if if AMC or whomever owns, you know, the Negan's rights right now comes to you and says, hey, look, you can take one of the most popular characters in television right now and put him in your game like you don't oh, say of no, course. you know, kind of, of thing in and, and and there's been I mean, again, I don't know for sure. Like, I mean, obviously, Negan's very violent, but some people do have a lot of. Uh, hesitancy to put their character in a Mortal Kombat game when they're going to get just tore up left and right and up and down. Some people don't want to see that happen to their characters. So I do agree. I, I've seen, I I, I Googled uh, some of the Negan highlights and whatnot, and I'm like, yeah, he's, a, he's definitely kind of more of a Mortal Kombat character. I totally agree. But at the same time, you never kind of know like what licensing, what kind of you know approaches and whatnot they they wanted to have for the character, and and that's maybe why he didn't get into Mortal Kombat. Uh, and you know, Bandai Namco might have a special relationship with someone on the AMC team or or something like that. Someone behind The Walking Dead, And they're like, yeah, let's like let's work together on this. And it, it's funny how much these deals like they. They deal so much on a, a relationship between a couple people usually, and that's kind of what starts the dialogue and kind of gets people going. Uh, go back to Marvel vs. Capcom, where people think like, "Oh, you know, you know, Disney and Capcom like had fifty thousand people like joined together," you know, and they're all like, you know, haggling over stuff. It's like, no, it was it was a couple people that had a relationship within both companies that got dialogue going, and then that proceeded kind of from there. So it's it's interesting how this stuff comes about, but yeah. Um, but one of the things I, I did want to touch on here is. A Tekken Seven is a full esports game. It's you know it's they've got a, their own pro tour. They've got all this stuff going on here and. The licensing issues that that come with that, we already know that could be a big hurdle. And to me, this kind of indicates that whatever licensing issues that have existed in the past, I mean, they're still there, but they've figured out a way to overcome those hurdles to some extent. Where it's like, hey, if you are going to let this character be in our game, we're going to be able to kind of do like a full on esports push with this. And I think that like not only Negan, like just kind of being very cool and being like, oh, wow, out of nowhere, you know, type character, he might even signal maybe a new era of. Of like hey like we can do a lot more with this obviously the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Injustice 2 I should definitely should not forget about those well in um, the horror
0: characters of MKX too you know uh Freddy and and Jason and Alien and all that such like Uh, you know these these non-fighting game and never have really been fighting game IPs lending characters into uh fighting games has actually and and this was kind of revelation to me because even though we've known this has been happening it was kind of still like whoa wait is Negan like the first kind of brand new non-fighting game at all character and it's like no he's not but but it definitely feels like it especially at first glance um, but yeah, you're right. Like, we, I think we are seeing this progression towards a, a big, broad character base where you can bring in whomever is going to grab general audience's attention. And, uh, and that's, I yeah. think,
1: the significant thing here. And I, I just can't resist saying this, but I Breaking Bad was one of my favorite TV shows ever. And uh, just to see uh, Jesse Pinkman on there, and he goes, yeah, bitch, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Because <laughs> apparently he said, like, you know, that that was like a phrase he could not stop saying, like, after he you know, finished up the show and whatnot. Like, it just it entered his vernacular in, like, every way, shape, or form. Uh, but anyway, but it's, there's some opportunities here. Uh, it, it's maybe some very interesting, I would argue, basically, that fighting games have a very special way of incorporating these characters that is unlike pretty much any other genre out there. I mean, you could put them in a shooter game, you could put them in like an you know MMO, uh, RPG, you could put them in, you know, uh, uh, MOBA, you could put them in all this type of games, but like the way a, f- a fighting game represents the characters and the way that you're able to implement them is quite special. And I again, I'm I'm hesitant to say because I don't want to jinx it, but there's a there's an opportunity here for a lot of people to put their their characters in fighting games and get a great marketing opportunity out of it. Um, as you mentioned, The Walking Dead has kind of waned with its popularity, and I, I do kind of wonder if this is maybe a way of them hitting you know a new market, a new audience to try to get people back and interested in the game. Um, it could be kind of a win-win for both companies.
0: You okay? So back to the um, what we were talking about with Bandai Namco's execution for reveals at Evo. We also got was it Anna? yeah, it was Anna Williams. that's Nina's sister. And then we got Le, Le Long. with who who doesn't look entirely like he used to in Tekken is what I'm getting mm-hmm. from kind of like the hardcore fans. but he's got a lot of interesting kind of new moves and not not new moves, but like like a a mode that lets him do like a whole bunch of new stuff or something along those lines. So very intriguing there. Mm-hmm. And then this huge rush of of hype for Anna because she's been in the in the
1: game or in the franchise I should say for quite a long time and she's got a lot of fans already I was I was gonna add on that like when uh, when Harada and Murray got out there to, to talk about this they, they were actually saying that um, Tekken has now sold 45 million copies worldwide uh, currently for the entire franchise uh, and that their Evo tournament um, their entrance for it for 2018 was 20% larger than any other Tekken Evo tournament that they've had like they were just like they were just like constantly like hurling stuff out there in front of people like yeah this is how awesome we are it, it, we are And I'm like, uh, yeah, you guys are kind of right. Like, this is like the most amazing Evo performance I've seen from a company. Like, again, I thought Capcom did great. I thought Bandai Namco was hands down number one in terms of what they brought to the table, just their hype. I mean, I was just like losing my mind over here. Still losing my mind. It's you know, like a five days later, and I'm still going crazy about what they did here. You know, and I just I have to take my hats off to everyone on the team there that put this stuff together. And just like, dude, you guys are the best. Like you guys won Evo, congrats, you know, kind of thing. There was there was no competition I was aware of it, until you guys made it a competition. You guys won flat out. Now, Great if job. if
0: you were able to like kind of quantify uh, the reveals and the uh, the execution of the reveals and everything, and and like we say, like you win Evo as a developer and in what you're showing your uh, your fan base, excuse me. It, I I think that. Bandai Namco probably got the most points in just like the quantity of things that they revealed and and like the style and the execution that they did that in. But I still feel like I'm leaning towards saying that Capcom won Evo as far as reveals, um, because not that they did more, than Bandai, but because of the gravity of said reveals for the game that they revealed it for, there's a lot of negativity, of course, that goes about um, Street Fighter V, uh, and a lot of failures on the part of Street Fighter V, a lot of successes as well. But uh, obviously, we recently talked about how Season Three was very much lacking in bringing hype to the table, coming out with characters that people are motivated to play uh, to the point where you would want for for your you know your DLC moneymakers. And then they come to Evo and, and our expectations were pretty muted. At least mine were because last year we got Abigail, an Abigail trailer and that was it. And it's like we expected Mm -hmm. a new character for DLC. It was just about the time for that anyway. So it was kind of just the routine thing that happened to fall around the EVO time period. And even then, the animations in the trailer were kind of messed up because he was in his gigantic mode for the entire time when he wasn't supposed to be. And it all felt really lackluster. It was like, you know, you showed up and you did like the basic amount for a normal day, but it's EVO,
1: right? And so Capcom coming into this... I, I just want to interject a quick story here because uh, uh, Dream King, uh, he's our lead of editorial, uh, he was so hyped about Abigail for a multitude of reasons. We wrote multiple articles about him and he was just like so enthused about the character Those damn King Diamond parallels. Yeah. And uh Imagine Tension Hand, uh, he was like kinda like, dude, like you should not be this hype about the character. Like he's gonna kinda come out and like you're you're gonna be disappointed and whatnot. And Steven was like, dude, no, like Dream King's like, I this is gonna be like one of the greatest reveals ever and all that kind of stuff. And he comes out and he's like mouthing like car sounds and like pretending like he's driving a car. Like that it just like like, in, in our chat room, like, Tenshin Tan was just, like, laughing uncontrollably. Like, and, and Steven was just sitting there, like, just with, like, he, he, like, couldn't type anything. He was just like, oh, my, what did, what is going on? You know, kind of thing. Like, I, I just want to take people back kind of to the a little bit of the disappointment that happened there. I don't know if it was like that for everyone else, but for us, at least, it was like, oh, man. Like, it was a just slap the forehead face. Palm, right. You know, kind of and thing. And so. so
0: we were coming off the heels of that. That was the most recent Evo And and so like we're like well we're expecting a reveal Uh, we're expecting G and no one knows anything about G beyond you know what we've seen in the character reveal trailer that he looks kind of like Abraham Lincoln and's got some gold on his arms and whatnot. And then we got the uh, the Capcom like basically confirmed it and started doing their their cool little um, like it was like a map or something like that or I guess uh, like like a similar declaration of independence statement with a bunch of different players yeah. that they gave bits of this to and those players would post it on Twitter and then eventually we would have them all posted and we assembled it and it was a message from G and we're like, okay, the guy's coming. so. There was in Capcom's execution during finals the way they did it released like hype in waves that was pretty damn Mm -hmm. perfect because what ended up happening Mm. was uh, it was before top 8 and Ono comes out and he does his little Ono spiel so that immediately gets people excited. He uh, then they have the G voice actor dressed in cosplay for G come out and everyone's like okay great cool so so there was hype about it because we, hey we're getting the reveal of the new character and we are um, we're also getting to finally see what this mysterious dude can do um, he's a brand new fighter and, and we're gonna see basically what kind of parallels he has to Q that's all we really have to go off of at this point they show the trailer animation wise he is gorgeous this fiery. Um, crazy uh, Q-like movements, but certainly a very different character. Um, and and like you contrast that with like Falk's reveal, where everyone was just you know, completely distracted by how bad the animations tended to be and looked, oh, right? No. Well, and it's important to to contrast these because G was like a, a pretty good, you know, we'll we'll say that he was a success there, and and he got people excited. You know, you show the the various V triggers and whatnot, and everyone's okay, cool, cool. This looks good. Um, ono comes back out. To the stage, and he's wearing an eye patch. And we've talked about it before. We know Sagat's on the way, and we've talked about it before. And that, like, well, maybe they'll release all the characters sooner rather than later instead of like one every two months, which seems to be about their schedule. Um, and they've been pretty good about that this season because they released. You know, Blanca a month after Sakura. So it was Sakura in January and then Blanca in February. Two months later, I think, was Falk. And then two months later was Cody. But then now it's one month, I believe. Was it one month after Cody? That was in June. So about a month for and then some change. We get G. And then we get Sagat. And there's the Sagat. uh, Ono launches us into the Sagat trailer. We see this giant tiger, which was... A nice touch <laughs> the in the mm-hmm. in the trailer Very nice touch. This giant buff tiger and everyone gets hyped for that and then you see Sagat for really the first time in his actual in-game animation and the crowd loses it and, it, and just like mm-hmm. G he looks beautiful and more or less he is the character that we were kind of expecting to see with what we know about Sagat and what we know about Street Fighter 5 here he is in the flesh and out of all the things that could go wrong with him we're not seeing any of those things he's looking okay thus far it is early, it's only the trailer, but it's enough to get people continually hyped. He's got his, you know, tiger shots, he's got his traditional uppercut and the knee and everything. He's doling out the damage. He looks really cool. You see his two V triggers, those are exciting. Um you get to the end, you see some new Oh, it cuts to the nostalgia costume. That sends yet another wave of hype through the audience. Um you get to the end of it all, you see a few other costumes. They look fine. They're cool. I, I didn't I didn't lose my mind over them, but they're like, yeah, that works for Sagat and, and that's fine. And then the message up on the screen pops up, and it gives the release date, and it takes people a second to like you know absorb it all and find the release right. date. But you can tell the exact moment in the crowd when people began to realize the release date is tomorrow. Both of these characters, really both yeah. of these characters are are playable tomorrow. That yeah. was something that Capcom has virtually never done with Street Fighter V before, and and it was like the perfect cap. To all of this, and and the final wave of hype before going into an am- amazing top eight, uh, and and I just thought, yes, Bandai Namco did more, and and if you were to, again quantify like the the. You know, amount of stuff that they did, they would win as far as points go. But the gravity of of Street Fighter Five, what it is, and these two specific characters and the way they released it, a brand new one that looked really cool and intriguing, um, and then uh, an old school that was well done and and everything we wanted and more. Uh, it, just that wham bam, the one two punch, and then the fact that they're coming out tomorrow, and now we all have them and are playing them, was brilliant by Capcom. and and it may be, Part of that is is its legacy and it's as a, as a franchise. Street Fighter as a franchise, it gets bonus points because it's kind of like you know, on top of the mountain, so to speak. Uh, but also, it's like <laughs> Capcom kind of lowered expectations with stuff like the Abigail thing, oh, and, its no. record, <laughs> and its track record and its track record with Street Fighter Five. And then for them to execute like this is yet another grand slam, similar to what happened with the reveal in. Uh, December for Capcom Cup when they showed all of the the characters so this is another point where we go okay Capcom's listening, Capcom's trying thank you so much we are making progress um, and it, it gives me some hope for the future of both 5 and then um, if and when 6 comes out that things will be handled even better so in that, like, I make my argument that I think that Street Fighter 1, um, it also has to do with the fact that I care a lot more about Street Fighter as a player than I do about Tekken mm-hmm. and, and such and in the Bandai games. But um, that was kind of my take on it.
1: Gotcha. So now what do you think of, so we got Q, or Q, man, I, I want to call him <laughs> Q so much. And now we'll get into that more later. But we got G and we got Sagat. And we got them clear here in August. And now we've got all season three characters. And you and I both have been hearing rumors on the Internet of of maybe, you know, and maybe on this very podcast we've talked about, hey, Capcom, maybe you should up your production of DLC characters to kind of match the other games because you've kind of fallen way behind here. Um, so... What do you think of the possibility of us seeing more characters here in 2018? And, and I'm, you know, 2019's off the table, you know, like our in like December, let's like throw that out because, you know, Capcom will sometimes put out like a character like late December after Capcom Cup has ended or, you know, whatever, you know, type thing. Like, what are the possibilities that you think we will see something? So. I am still uh, pretty guarded when it comes to all of this sort of stuff.
0: Uh, I'm not expecting more out of Capcom. I'm super happy when I get more than I expect, and I kind of want to stay there until I'm further proven that (laughs) it's safe to venture out to um, expectation land. Um, I do think it felt before like Capcom was constantly playing catch-up with having to can basically redo a lot of parts of the game or finish putting in the, the parts of the game that they hadn't on release. Catching up with the DLC characters in Season 1, they were delayed at one point. and And I remember getting a message that was something to the effect of, we'll release these characters as soon as they're ready. So to me, it felt right. like there was like one or two guys frantically working to do the work of 10 people and just trying to stay afloat. And and that kind of came out in various ways, both
1: in the execution and just in the, the backing up of the schedule of, of a lot of the stuff. But, but I, I do want to take people back here a little bit and, and flesh out what we're talking about. The CFN had massive problems. Uh, Street Fighter V's launch is well documented in terms of how incomplete it was. And Capcom didn't really start to play full-on catch-up until maybe, I don't know, I don't even know the timeline, maybe 8 months after it came out, something like that. But they were scrambling to fix stuff like the netcode, rage quitters, uh, as I previously mentioned like CFN, like there was a lot of issues with the mm-hmm. game and just kind of an overall lack of content. They had to get story mode out there. There was so much that was going on and and they made a few statements that said like, "Look, like we want to work on the DLC characters, but there's a lot of other stuff that we have to to get together first. And as much as you'd love to, you know, you do have multiple people working in different departments, but there is an all-hands-on-deck mentality when you've got massively broken areas of your game. And it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe Jim normally works on, you know, the DLC character balance. Like, we're going to bring him in for some playtesting on CFN, and he's going to do network testing and all that kind of stuff. And so Jim might take a couple months out of his shift, you know, and and just work exclusively on things that that improve the game instead of, you know, the normal DLC character work. And I don't think Capcom staff for Street Fighter V is, like, gigantic. I don't think there's, like, you know, 5,000 people all in a building you know just working exclusively on content for the game um it's you know they they don't have an unlimited amount of resources basically to throw out you know production of this stuff so when we're talking about you know diverting resources and whatnot that's kind of the backstory here and capcom has made multiple statements that that tell us that that is a case you know that they've they've said hey look this is a higher priority you know we're gonna we're gonna put our resources on this now for for the time Mm -hmm. being that makes total sense and uh and you know
0: I think you mentioned it was yesterday, we were talking about it, the fact that there are other Capcom titles that are doing exceptionally well probably contributes to you know playing catch-up in Street Fighter and, and them being able to allocate more resources toward this game in particular.
1: Um, yeah, Yeah, the two games that we're talking about here are Monster Hunter, which is Capcom's best-selling game ever, which I'm going to say that again for emphasis, monster hunter the uh the latest one they released is the best-selling capcom game of all time and and that is something where capcom sees that and they start diverting resources like kind of throughout the company i'm i'm hoping and i think i don't know for sure um but definitely past statements here they they allocate resources kind of back to everyone and then the 30th anniversary actually outsold their expectations uh street fighter 30th anniversary did And, and so There's probably some more resources to kind of throw around within the company now, uh, especially, oh boy, especially since Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, as far as we know, is no longer in development uh, and they're not working Mm. on that. There's, you know, they can move some of the team back around and whatnot. There's some more resources going around. But yeah, uh, to kind of circle back around. So, so. You you don't want to set expectations here and you know you want to keep them low, I get that. Um but if I, I I'm holding a gun to your head now, all right? I have got a gun to your head and I'm making you say and I don't know where this like analogy came from. It's like people like just can't ask a question. Like it's like, no, I gotta have a gun it to your makes head. It more exciting. And now you gotta <laughs> Yeah. Much more exciting. Like is there more characters coming out in twenty eighteen? And I don't know what happens. Like, if I, I have a gun to your head, but I, I guess am I going to pull the trigger? I don't. I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I kind of need you on staff. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I think
0: that there's a real possibility, but that it also you also have to take into account. Well, maybe they're going to do other things in the development of other game modes, or uh, like the weekly missions and, and work on the game's economy, which is meh. I think um, mm. there are a lot of different avenues that they could go down. I think the the most apparent is more DLC. It's like, oh yeah, let's do that because that's the thing that people get the hypest about. Um, but there are other quality of life issues that while they don't necessarily incite those spikes of hype, they are very important and they're more of like a slow burn in either the positive or the negative. And so you want to make sure those things are working uh, well as as well. And I think that the... So, so like if you're Capcom, if you have caught up and you do have this extra time now um, I would make sure that all of your rough ed- edges are sanded down, and um, and if that's the case, then sure, maybe one or two more characters. Uh, of course, that would be great, um, but as far as like how sure am I that that's their plan right now, um, I'm not at all, and there are a lot of different mm-hmm. things. I hope they do something, and it looks like uh, I would be ven- willing to to bet that they are doing something they are continuing to support the game maybe they're just getting a super good head start on season four for next year so that there can that can go off without a hitch and maybe they can release it within like the first four or five months of of the game uh, of the year you know something like that Mm, so so they could also be allocating resources to just making sure that moving forward we're like we're super ready to go Um, So so any of those things could be the possibility. And I don't have any indicators to say that one is taking precedence over the other. But I do think that Street Fighter V is in a really good place right now. I think that the momentum that come from, you know, like the announcement that we just had and then the fact that G and Q are... Uh, g and sagat i'm doing it too are out (laughs) (laughs) is very good Mm -hmm. we still have the rest Mm -hmm. of the pro tour to look forward to and the possibility and you mentioned this yesterday as well the fact that these characters are out so early means that we very well might see like i think you mentioned this but um, we might see these characters at capcom cup you know um we Mm. might uh, uh, sure we'll see like Momochi cody we already saw him at e-league Uh, And and hopefully we'll continue to see that because I think there's a lot of potential in that character and obviously Momochi would be, you know, godlike player so there's a lot of, uh, I'm excited to see how that plays out but I mean, if Bon Chan qualifies yeah. and brings us Sagat, that would be amazing. Yeah. And it's like, those are some of the the things that people that are avid watchers of all this stuff want to see. The story of Bon mm. Chan and Sagat reunited together mm. and now playing. It's like, yeah. yeah, I'm rooting for that guy a little bit harder than I normally would because of, the, you know, the history and the past and such. And the fact that he finally has his character and has been playing with one of the game's worst characters this entire time and still seeing decent results. It's like, what if Sagat's really good as he looks to be and what is Bonchan gonna do with them? That's really exciting. You know, so there's these new storylines. The game is in a really good place right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and just to, to back up what I'm saying here, I I don't think we saw a lot of, of new characters in Evo because of it's Evo, everyone's training really hard for it. It's hard to bring in a brand new, you know, character and do very well with them. Um I'll take some shots here at season three characters again. There was one in top 64. We're getting, we'll get into character usage here later. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little, you know, there's always nuance to this stuff, you know, but, but yeah. Um, so, one of the things that I, I, I'll do here is I'll go ahead and turn the, the gun on my own hey, head. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it just and say that, uh, I actually think we're going to see two more. Like, if I had to predict again, I, I think we'll see two more characters here in this season, or like an announcement of two more characters or something like that. Maybe they're not released, but I think Capcom, like, listens to our podcast or, or, you know, or something like that. Like, I'm going to hype our, our podcast up here a little bit. And, and I have no idea if they listen or not. I know they read the website. That's, that's as far as I know, but, um, and i'll just say that uh that you know they they heard our pod about you know saying hey we need more you know dlc dlc characters you've fallen way behind you know on the you know dlc character count story that we did and they're like ah you know if event hubs is saying that we got to you know we got to respond and so they they're going to get two more characters out hmm. and one of them of course has to be rose because uh and uh because she's my favorite but yeah um <laughs> uh but i'll just really quickly mention on rose cuz it's it, uh, it's so tenuous and i just i get so hyped up about the character i just I, I want to see her back. I, and Minot's great. I'm very happy playing Minot. You know, so if I never get Rose, like I'm, I'm fine with Minot. She's great. Uh, but the the voice actress actually, uh, Gina Grad, I believe is her name, um, and uh, she she did Rose uh, for Street Fighter Four and in story mode for for G. Uh, Monat's very heavily featured and then kind of like Rose like walks into the room and like she's speaking to Monat but there's like no dialogue and there's no spoken dialogue. There's like no nothing like Monat's just kind of responding to like Rose like being there and obviously like you know, just it's basically ha- happening off screen like the dialogue but like it's on screen. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. But anyway the voice actress is conspicuously absent and I'm like oh I'm like well that probably means they haven't hired anyone just yet and I probably should have get my hopes up for this year there's probably no chance uh and maybe you know maybe for season four or something like that unless I piss off Capcom too much on this podcast then Rose is going away and never coming back <laughs> so my apologies if that happens it's probably well
0: and we also have some that. characters that do have voice actors as uh, I think Goken has some spoken word even in like the mm-hmm. training tutorial when you first open the game up for the first time as well as maybe in a few of the um the backstories and then I think uh I think Viper has some some lines too in one of the stories and so yeah, and obviously Abel has like a, a moving um you know character that that appears uh I'm sorry I should say like a fully animated character that appears in the story mode um a shadow falls I think was it was what it's called and so I mean it's it's not like if a, if a voice actor is present then they're for sure gonna be in the game but I see what you're yeah. saying in that if they had the voice actor, that would be one step closer. And the fact that there isn't one, or it doesn't appear that there is one, um, is kind of a, a, a bad mark against the probability
1: of Rose popping up. But yeah, right away, right away, she's she's appearing a lot in story mode, and I've got a I've got a hold out hope. I, mean, <laughs> I, I got a hope for Rose. So. <laughs> uh, but one of the things to shift gears here a little bit is. Um, uh i did want to talk about sagat and g kind of overall like what we're we're feeling about okay. them uh since we're on the subject here and and so no we'll, we'll go ahead and start with you because i'm i've kind of been well known that i i think your nicole is really damn good i think you're a great player i just i I don't like the character for you, and I'm like I. So I'm always trying to get like John to like switch characters up, and I'm like, dude, like why don't you play this guy instead, you know, kind of thing. Like living vicariously through his character choice. That's what I do, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, and and, and I just I want to see his zoning back. I I remember go, his Gokin was just so incredible. He beat Ryan Hart one time, and you know all that kind there's of stuff. There's a there's so an I,
0: ongoing joke in the event hubs chat, and is basically brought up by Dream King, where like I I mean I, I I wasn't the best player, but I took out a couple of names. Like I beat Infiltration at Evo when year and and you know um things like that knuckle do and and but he always goes back to you beat ryan hart that one time and it's like (laughs) yeah ryan hart was a great player and such but like that that certainly wasn't the pinnacle of my achievements but he always talks about it as such so every time we talk about any kind of fame and stuff it always just goes back to me beating ryan hart and now you guys are all privy to the inside joke
1: you don't think that was your pinnacle, but everyone fair else does. So fair that's <laughs> yeah. but anyway. So I I want John to switch away from Nikali here. I, I'm like I I like the character. I think he does great. Like I want him as a sub, but like his zoning and his defense are really prominent as a player, if you ask me. And, and I think he can do rushdown I think he can do that, but like he's just such a specialist with zoning. And so I'm I'm like I'm egging him on and whatnot. But you had a little bit of like maybe a pocket rumble uh, epiphany. Like is that so, is that fair to say or like yeah, you, yeah yeah. And and I and I also
0: may write an article. on, on this uh, on the way up and the way back from Evo we had a switch with Pocket Rumble on it and we basically had Pocket Rumble, <laughs> Pocket Rumble Nationals on the, uh, the mega bus because we took a bus because it's way better than using gas and wear and tear in your car. Anyways, um, this game is for those that haven't played it, it's on the Switch, it's very simple, it's only two buttons and then a direction pad and the way you do specials like for a fireball if you press down forward like the single direction so down forward and then you hold the A button you'll get a fireball. If you press down forward and you press the A button and release it you'll get a normal and so that's about as, as crazy and intricate and um, technical as the game gets. And it's got some combos and such but it's very very simple so what that lets you do is once you get used to those controls and they're a little bit weird to begin with but once you get used to them you basically just get to play the character um, very quickly in full expression of yourself meaning you're playing fireballs and uppercuts and especially if you're playing like the Ryu-esque character mirror match it's all down to like I'm gonna try to fireball uppercut you and manipulate the space use my super where where it's appropriate Um, and and it very quickly becomes you playing Fighting games, as opposed to you distracted by a limitation that your character has or that you have in your execution, and so I was able to pick up a couple of different characters um, on the way up, and then play them whenever we had some downtime and in, in travel and such, you know. And and what that did was it essentially further opened my eyes to something that I was already very much aware of in fighting games, but the idea of being able to pick up multiple characters and play them as they are kind of designed to be played you see people like like Sonic Fox, who just picks up a new character with whatever game he's playing, like, in every every 20 minutes or so. He's very, very good at this. But a lot of people um, can fall into the trap that I tend to err on, and that's to, like, get stuck with one character and then just try to play the game almost as though you're just that character's style. And, of course, if you venture out to other characters, mm-hmm. you're... you're. I mean, if you're playing, you know, Guile, like you're... like Nicali is supposed to be played, you're probably not going to see as much success. So, it's you know, it's very limiting. And so to have either... It, like when you play Pocket Rumble, you either exper- experience this for the first time or you have a nice refresher of just the basic way different characters play and how to transition from character to character to be as efficient as possible with them it's a very good reminder of that and so i take that and i go you know what like looking at sagat i could i could do that like i could definitely transition and have like these multiple different characters and learn them and such and although it's much more complicated than pocket rumble street fighter 5 has been designed to a, in a way where it's like easier to pick up characters and go with them it's not as intricate and you're not as as distracted with one frame links there's a lot less to learn um, as far as just being able to play the character generally then the like the the next level of course is to come in and and implement the mind games and the manipulations and that takes you know a lifetime of of playing a game and such but anyways um yeah I, I i say all that to say i am excited to uh to play sagat i am uh i'm trying to avoid it as much as possible but uh there is a post-evil lull where people often take some time off and and don't want to play as much and um so i've taken sagat into the training mode and such but if i'm it, just my basic reaction to him what i'm really excited is just the idea of Tossing out tiger shots and uppercutting people as they try to get over them and there's a lot more to it than that And and like his rush down and the appropriate spacing and such is something that you know I'll have to really iron down but the idea of just you know Uppercutting people for uh, Manipulating them to jump forward and things and and just frustrating them and and then doing big damage and and such with the um, With his combos it it really is alluring to me and it's it's more so than I think any other DLC character has has been for me thus far. So yeah, I am definitely gonna take Sagat for a spin. We'll see if he makes it all the way to the tournament level with me, but but we'll see.
1: Yeah, and, and just to give people a little bit more backstory here is you play uh, Old Sagat in Super Turbo. And Old Sagat is actually, yeah, he's a, he's soft-banned or was soft-banned in Japan. Like, they started coming over to American tournaments and they're like, well, we can't soft ban this character anymore because the Americans just play him, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Um, but uh, he's, a, he's a pretty rough character, you know, for being soft-banned and whatnot. Like, hey, we're not going to play this guy. He's just too good. Uh, so that's John's main character in Super Turbo. I mean, I don't, and, I know, don't play he, he the he plays... game
0: regularly, though. I just know that right. Fireballs and Uppercuts are a thing, and I can pretty consistently get dps out in super turbo and being a four player originally that's something because the shortcuts and in the uh the dp motion are very toned or very much there in four and not in two so to be able to do that it's like yeah that's that's about how much i play
1: (laughs) right Right, and so, with all due respect, and and I really love that phrase, with all due respect. (laughs) Now you get to say whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah, you can say whatever you want, and the other person can't get mad. You're like, but I said, with all due respect, like, you know, anyway, so, but with all due respect, I use this term, uh, whore, a lot in fighting games, like, oh man, I'm a total whore in fighting games. It just means, like, I'm gonna, like, abuse the stuff that I'm really good with, and just, like, go full-on, like, whore mode and stuff like that. Like, that's what I want to see from John Sagat. I want to see him be a full-on whore (laughs) again, And, and, and yeah, And it's just, it's like, it's like, yeah, dude, like, that's so awesome, like, to embrace that aspect of it. It's like, I want to see that back, you know, It's just like, his defense, oh, his Goken was so infuriating. And like, it was, it was just fun, like, watching him play that character, because no one would play it like he did and all that. It's like, it's, and I just, I want to see that back. But anyway, so you guys are probably getting the impression here that, that Sagat's a good bit of a zoner in this game. And he is, he's one of the handful of zoning characters uh, in Street Fighter V. There's like Manat, there's Guile. There's kind of Dhalsim, like, and there's Fong and stuff like that. Like, uh, man, Dhalsim's so weird, but I, I don't want to go off on that. But um, anyway, so we, we finally have another zoning character in this game. And and I'm so happy Capcom put him in. And I actually think that he's at least, like, halfway decent. Like, I don't think he's going to be another, like, fault character. Mm-hmm. And, and come in and just basically, you know, come in with a whimper, you know, type thing that we've talked about before. And uh, so some of the stuff that he's got going for him is, I think his Fireball game is solid. I don't think it's incredible. Uh, fireballs are pretty damn toned down in street fighter 5 altogether uh but he's got a dp his medium dp is actually invincible from three to seven frames and i think it's like fully invincible or like invincible like throws and and um and hits and whatnot which is really good and that, so uh to give people more of an idea of what that is uh laura and mika both have uh three frame invincible moves but they're well, they're armored right so you can still throw them are armored yeah are, yeah so so in this is fully invincible and stuff like that, so it's really good. Now it doesn't have a lot of uh, it doesn't have a lot of horizontal range, so you you know you've got a car DP it and whatnot like kind of get to get the full range on it. But I mean, it's still very good. And then his uh, light DP is actually one to twelve frame, like invincible in the first frame, but like only to like upper body attack. So it's kind of like that's like the main one for anti airs, as far as I know. Capcom's like terminology here is a little bit weird in terms of when they're talking about this stuff, so I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like you know with um like the invincibility like on this uh, you know light DP, but regardless, this. He's got two moves that are, that are very strong on the uh, Invincible end, and they don't take meter to do. And then he can power it up with his Angry Scar uh, to do an extra, like, 30 damage on each one of them. Uh, and then he's got the EX version, like, that helps juggle, and then, like, the Angry Scar helps juggle, and it's like, ooh, it's like you start seeing some pretty good potential with this character. And I'm actually not calling him, like, I don't think he's going to be one of the best characters in the game. I could be wrong. I don't think so, like, right now. I think G is actually going to be the best of the the Season 3 characters that I'm seeing. Um but there's potential here, and it's just like, man, they finally added another zoning character who's good, who can zone with fireballs, who can kind of get out there and whatnot. But, um, but so far, with your early impressions of Sagat, like what do you think? I think him? that he is very
0: much still the Sagat that we know and um and he'll he'll still play with he'll have a zoning game and then he'll have a just crush you beneath his awesome power game, but like that will take some some very detailed analysis of the other player, some reads, I guess you could say, in order to, like, get it to happen. But when it does, it will be very hype. But it will be, like... If he's going to do something, I don't think he'll have as much YOLO. Like, he's not going to have, like, a Urien tackle or a birdie um, bull mm-hmm. rush or whatever it's called to just, like, just do. But, like, he'll have things where, like, if he makes the right read and and he sees where your tendencies are, um, then he's going to be one of those characters that capitalizes on that and, and is, like, extra hype from it. And I think you'll have to play him that way in order to see much result outside of, like, the zoning side of him where you can be a little more laissez-faire because... I mean, there's a little bit less risk involved in zoning when you're the zoner. Um, But, like, him going in, like, he'll have to choose. Like, there will be things where, like, uh, players will throw a fireball from pretty close and he'll DP through the fireball and hit them their outstretched arms. Things like that. Like, that kind of a thing will be the mark of a good Sagat player. So you'd have to have, like the rhythm and timing of when players are going to throw those kind of things out or or like that same thing but then from like a Kara distance away where he like has to do the Kara to get close which means he's like pretty committed to that and then also do the dp once he sees that they're actually doing the fireball things like that so it's not I don't think he's going to be free wins um, especially a higher mm-hmm. level I think he's going to take a lot of attention uh, but I, I do think that he's got like potential for mm, top ten range, and it's still really early. I hate I hate putting out yeah, predictions like yeah. that, like it's this early on, day two or whatever, day uh-huh. three. It's uh, so early, but, but yeah. But then uh, you also you also brought up uh, G and saying that you mm-hmm. think that he'll probably be the best of the DLC.
1: I haven't played with him at all, but I have. Oh, go ahead. Right. Let's let's go back to Scott just for a minute because I did want to touch on just a few more things before we get into G. Um, just so people know, Scott's normals are pretty damn slow. Uh, he does not have a ton of combo ability. You know, kind of thing. Like he's got him and he can do some stuff, but he's not like Captain Combo over here. Uh, his walk speed is fairly slow too. Uh, You kind of get the idea, I'm talking about Sagat being slow, yeah, he's slow in this kind of thing, and you will feel it. Uh, He hurts when he hits, but uh, he doesn't have a lot of linkers, like, you know, standing heavy kick will link into crouching uh, medium punch, Uh, that works, you know, kind of thing, but he doesn't have a lot of that stuff going for him. Uh, And then also, one of the things that I really enjoy about the character is... Uh, you were talking about his Kara DPs and other stuff. Like, he, he, Capcom very purposefully put the Kara stuff in there. Uh, it even talks about it in the demonstration for the character, which uh, I really advise checking out. Like, anytime a new character comes out that you're interested in, like, check out the demonstration. Capcom does a pretty good job, and it's kind of like, you know, under the radar in terms of, what they offer there. Uh, it, it's good. But anyway, um, he's a technical character, you know, and people like just really love to crap on Street Fighter Five for not being technical. It's like, well here's another technical character who's a zoner this time who, you know, you can juggle quite a bit with them and you can do quite a, like some of the Sagat's combos when you see him on a regular basis, you're gonna be like, Okay, yeah, that's that's good. It's not gonna be incredible, but it's gonna be like, Oh, yep, hey, I respect what just happened. Yeah. You like know, kind one, of two, so, three hit for
0: for a good amount of life. Yeah you know, sort of thing. Yes.
1: Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> of all things for me to compliment Capcom on, I will say Sagat Story Mode, and I'm not going to spoil it here in case you guys haven't you know, watched it yet, but it's actually good. It's not incredible. It's not like, oh, this is so mind blowing. It was like, oh, like Capcom actually put some effort into this one instead of like Abigail Story Mode where he like farts like multiple times and like people come to fight him because like I guess his gas smells I don't know it's just it's it's such a mind bender like some of the story modes in the game are just like atrociously bad not just bad but like Wow, you guys put no effort into this whatsoever. Uh, but like Sagat's is actually good. Jesus is okay, you know, kind of thing. It's like it, it's passable, you know, type stuff. Like uh, Cody's is just atrocious, you know. It's like, uh, yeah. And, and so anyway, for all the character story modes that you know just pretty much fall flat, like go check out Sagat's. It's not going to blow your mind, but it's like, oh hey, like it actually kind of advances some storylines that we've heard about in the past, and and that's what Sagat has been up to, you know, kind of thing. Like it, it's there and it's worth seeing, uh, and that's that's something worth talking about because it's like one out of like, you know, 10, <laughs> one out of 10 times that happens. But anyway, uh, so, yeah. Uh, but to get into to, um, G here a little bit, like you're talking about, um, I don't know how many people here uh, played, you know, Street Fighter III, Third Strike uh, and played Q of all characters. He was not very popular, uh, but. G actually reminds me a ton of. Q. I think he, he and, echoes I mean, I, him. Yeah, he,
0: he's he's yeah. similar. He's not the same. He's not going to play the exact same way. But he Q will be the springboard. The G players, well, the players that used to play Q can can like have a sense of familiarity and kind of segue their way into playing G. So should they choose? And you see that a couple of times. I think we've talked about that in articles before, where characters are kind of designed. Loosely based on some familiarity from a character from beforehand just in the way some moves look or the maybe like a basic um strategy that they might have uh you know with like q Mm -hmm. so like like an example for this q used to if you if you could back off and do a few taunts because taunts would build up his defense and he would be incredibly he'd get a lot of life if you let him i think it was taunt three times and so and g has a a mechanic where he's got to build three was it like presidential levels or something yeah
1: it's it's called actually like presidentiality or something like that like because capcom wanted to use a really long word that people are gonna have very a difficult time pronouncing but yeah that, that's what it right is,
0: so. and um and so it's like that's that's a similarity not like will his moves act the same no but he looks a little bit similar with like the kind of coat that he has and then he has a like um alternate costume so it's like it's very clear that they started mm-hmm. with like a, a similar template um, with Q, and then moved over to G, and and he's very much his own character. He he doesn't play exactly the same, and he, he's got a, a plenty of differences to to kind of discern him from G or from Q. But uh, yeah, that's he. You can tell he's like the found Q is the foundation for it.
1: Yeah, and, and and so if people are wondering kind of like what G does, and and maybe they didn't play Q or anything like that. Uh, as, as John was talking about before you really want to back off with G initially and build up his resources because his presidentiality meter is very powerful for him uh, it can make some of his moves safe uh, I think he can cancel into like when he's in V trigger I forget like but he can cancel into like multiple moves like it, it just beefs him up big time it's uh, kind of like uh, an extra V trigger I guess when it's like fully activated or maybe an X factor or whatever you want to put in there he gets very powerful when he's fully charged and then uh, if you score a knockdown on him he loses one, uh, one of his print Presidentiality uh, meters or levels or whatever, and and so. In the start of the match, you kind of want to back off and see if you can get those resources built up. Uh, G does not have a lot of great ways of getting in unless he's powered up. You know, he can get in, but it's, you know, it's it's a little sketchy, you know, type stuff. But he's got good anti-air. He's got some good zoning with his V skill because he he can back off and, you know, reflect projectiles that are like single hit back, or uh, absorb them, I should say. Um, And he's got some interesting, you know, mechanics that he's built into. Um, And so, but when he gets going, when this guy gets going, he is a he's a dynamite packing character sounds much. like he a robbery character hard. yeah I, I maybe he he might be um I, again it's still very early i'm still getting a feel for the the guy and what he can do but uh, i I've, I've been hit by some of the stuff he can do online and it's like ooh like when he goes low um it's like negative 8 on his like rush punch from like full screen but like a full screen rush punch uh, that 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 sweeps you know kind of thing and, and get you it into a good low. position it's like ooh, yeah it hits low and um it's just a dp with kick and, and he rushes right at you just like q did and um, and man his his moves are so similar to q but they, a lot of slow moves a lot of he does not have a three frame normal um is super free to rush down uh basically if he does not have resources um and i think his only reversal is probably going to be a super like you just go in on the character you really want to beat the crap out of him um uh, So he doesn't have a chance to do the same to you, basically. Um, But yeah it's he's a much like QQ Q would kind of back off and do like you know full screen like heavy punches and kicks and all that kind of stuff and they would have a long startup but when they hit you it's just like you're, you're devastated and whatnot and QRG I should say has a lot of those type of attacks where very long startups but when they hit like they're very powerful and it's just like he can kind of just keep his distance and, and build up his resources and then once he goes in on you man you're you're in a lot of trouble so um so yeah, if you see G just rush him down so you don't have to deal with this stuff you
0: know so, I hear
1: that he seems
0: to be I don't hear this is kind of what I've from what I've heard I kind of garnered that he's like a more extreme Hakan in that and hakan being from street yeah. fighter 4 i think he jumped in during the super update hakan had to um he had an oil mechanic where if he oiled up he had uh, better properties on his moves and such and when he was in that state he was um very good but when he wasn't oiled up he was regarded as the worst or one of the worst characters in the entire game and so people ultimately put him lower on the tier list because people uh, you know competitors would just stop him from getting oiled up or wait out the oil and then go in and, and kill him and he never ended up having that much prominence outside of a top 8 appearance from uh, Infiltration to counter PR Balrog's Mm -hmm. Balrog, I think in 2013 or so, I'm not sure, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so and it sounds like G is that even more so. Like, when he gets, uh, not oiled up, but presidentialed up or whatever it is, then he <laughs> is ridiculous. Maybe the best character in the game, I don't know. I haven't played with him or against him yet. But he's really, really good. People are really afraid of him when he's completely leveled up. Um, and that also happens when he's in V-Trigger, at least one of them, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that that's scary to me because he can get into that state from just methodical play, or if you're meeting up on him and he gets a chance... He can pop the V trigger and then he's in that as well, and so that's why I'm like, oh, that's 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 robbery character kind of territory where if it doesn't really matter what goes on until he gets to that state, it's like, ugh, that kind of sucks, you know? Like I'm I'm a little bit leery or or wary of that, but um, again, I'm not passing much judgment now because I haven't played with him or against him yet. But that's what it kind of sounds like. It's like he's going to be really not that good when he's not, you know, when he doesn't have the momentum and the mechanic powered up. But then he's going to be stupid good when he does.
1: Yeah, I I look at robbery characters like Laura and Abigail, especially Abigail. Everyone knows my feelings on that character very well now. Uh, But I mean, it's like, look, I'm winning and now I'm losing. You know, kind of thing. those those characters are built purely on comeback mechanics. And it's like, okay, I just killed you, but now I really lost because I just charged up like all of your, you know, V-Trigger stuff. And now you're just going to go crazy on me and I've got to make these hard reads to escape and I'm dead. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of thing like that's that's more the robbery. Like with, with G, it's like, okay, hey, you know what? If you backed off and you were able to build these resources and, and do this properly like you won you know kind of thing like good job you know kind of thing so he might be a robbery character but in my personal opinion uh I don't think he's as robbery as like an Abigail or a Laura and we're gonna come back in like a couple weeks and I'm gonna see mm-hmm. if I eat those words and I'm like he's the worst strawberry character ever I hate this character you know kind of think that, that does happen but so far I haven't seen it yet but I could be wrong I'm, I'm gonna put that big caveat um, out there but, yeah.
0: But yeah. we should also clarify I think well and maybe maybe this isn't what you mean but Laura season 2 more specifically I mean cause she can still kill you now with, with her V-trigger and such yeah. but she doesn't it doesn't feel like you're playing to the point where she gets V-trigger and then the game starts and that was kind of the case with Yuri and yeah. Balrog and Laura at the beginning of season 2. And that's what I personally yeah. mean when I say robbery character. Um obviously um Abigail has qualities like that too just because of how ridiculous his his damage output can be when he's in V trigger and such. But but yeah, um I don't, I don't I'm not if Laura still is a robbery character, she's not so much so that she um is hurting the game. And that's a distinction that I just wanted to make.
1: Right. So I, I actually want to get into some other reveals here that just happened right before we recorded the podcast. Right. And that is King K. Rule and then uh, two Castlevania characters, Richter Belmont and Simon Belmont. Um, and, and we'll go ahead and start with you here because I, I'm familiar with King K. Rool uh, in Donkey Kong Country. Uh, I just remember him like throwing his like crown at me, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and me like stomping on his head. And I never got the big appeal of the character. I get he's super popular. He won our poll on the website. I know he's very popular in the Smash and Nintendo communities and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just like... I don't get it. Like, why? Why is this? Why is this such a cool character to add to the game? Like, why? Why are people hyped? You on? know,
0: i I can't fully answer your question um, with enough nuance that would I, be satisfying to me. I remember playing Donkey Kong Country, and yes, similar to you and probably a lot of people listening to this, the uh, the venture 2 and then fighting King K. Rool was pretty epic, and he wasn't. He didn't stand out a lot. He seemed to be like kind of a, a clone of bowser in some respects although this was a lot earlier on in in the platforming you know uh, uh, genre and such and um he was the game was fun he was kind of the climax of it and he did his job and and that was cool and 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 i did like have like a special reverence for him like he was really cool although there wasn't a ton of story there wasn't a ton to like grab onto. it's just like you 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 know this is the bad guy you end up running into him at the end um he does traditional bad guy things and you get to jump over him at the right times and then when you when you can you jump on his head um I mean, it, it seemed all pretty standard, but at the end of the day, he had this legacy where people just really liked him. Um, more so than like Gruntilda in um, Banjo Kazooie. It's like, do you, you even know who that is? Like, that's the bad guy for the Banjo series. And like, she didn't have that same kind of, um, you know, uh, rep reception, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh but but King K rule did, and then he pops back up in um in the uh the next Donkey Kong country, I guess it was Diddy Kong uh conquest and he was then he was just themed as a pirate. Um not much explanation there, just like this time he's a pirate. And and like and that was fine. Same idea. Jump over him until well, this time you didn't jump on his head. You threw a cannonball into his uh <laughs> into his gun. And then I think he was a mad scientist. Uh and then he was in Donkey Kong sixty four and had a little more personality at that point, but I, I think to to answer your question without a ton of nuance, I think he was in the right place at the right time, in the right game, where everything went really well and and he was he became one of the iconic baddies of um, my generation, which is a huge significant portion. I guess I should say our generation is a huge significant portion.
1: No, I'm older than you. It's, it's altered, so. <laughs> of um, yeah, you know maybe. those
0: that grew up playing Donkey Kong Country, for instance, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a lot of our population in the fighting game community now. And he has been a character that's been very much um, wanted in Smash Bros. and um, myself included. I'm very excited to see how he'll play. It looks like he has the uh, the original donkey kong country um get up where he's like a pirate sort of a thing although it's more like it's more king um more king theme with the breastplate and the and the crown and such uh but although you fought him on a pirate ship so I don't, I don't know but he seems to be that iteration the donkey kong country iteration and um and yeah i think it was a really good move on nintendo's part this is a really popular character um and and i bet you know, someday someone will do an analysis, an in-depth analysis as why people like King K. Rule so much because he seems to be a little bit of an anomaly. And hey, if you're listening to this and and you have an opinion on that, please, I'm interested to see why we like him. I know I like him. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, But if you have a theory, please feel free to chime in. Um, in comments or on Twitter or whatever, and uh, and let us know. But yeah, uh, all in all, a, a success for sure. A great new addition to the Smash roster. Um, in uh, just like character execution alone. Obviously, we don't know how he's going to play yet, and if he's going to be um, a strong character and, and prevalently used. But uh, very good um, name to put on the roster.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Um. I I love Castlevania. It's one of my favorite franchises like ever. Uh, Mega Man, Castlevania, Street Fighter uh it's like those are just uh they hold such a special spot in my heart and so seeing richter and simon belmont in there i'm like yes like i i um yeah i i just kind of went crazy here today um they look great like there's so many like throwbacks to like uh you know classic Castlevania with like you know the quote of die monster you don't belong here <laughs> you know kind of the, the horrible voice acting in symphony of the night um, and but uh but yeah it's it's funny that nintendo does so many like throwbacks to to classic Castlevania. like that wasn't even on their like uh, consoles originally like symphony of the night was on the playstation you know kind of thing and like the turbo graphics references uh for rondo rondo of blood was on turbo graphics 16 uh the cd version which like no one had in america like <laughs> they only had it in japan like it, it was here but just no one had it you know kind of Thing. But um, the music sounds great. Like they've got the whips, and like, it's like it's like man, like how's like reach like that going to work? And you would have to assume that again. That a lot of startup is what you can kind of see with the the whip attacks for both Richter and Simon. And then uh, they've got the special items in there. They're throwing the cross, or doing the holy water. It's like and they've even got like the um, what is it? The pork chop? Like I always thought it was a turkey leg, but it's like a pork chop or whatever. Uh, according to the angry video game nerd at least in the instruction manual. But anyway, I, it, again, you guys can hear it in my voice. Like so excited for these characters. It's like I i wasn't even planning on buying a switch and and you know going into this because it's like i love smash and everything like it's so much fun to play it's just limited time and all that and it's like damn it's like you bastards nintendo like i you are like forcing me to buy your 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 damn console like a great console and play this game because it's like i i i cannot believe what they're doing with this title like it's still it's mind-blowing to me even sakura's like hey you know what Uh, everyone's back. Don't expect too many new characters, but the new characters we're bringing here, you know, kind of thing, like, we're just going to blow your mind with them. You know, here's King K. Rool, who everyone's asked for. Here's Ridley. Here's the Castlevania, you know, Richter and Simon and all that. It's just, oh my God. Like, wow. Now I, I am. Is Richter a, an echo of Simon? Uh, I I don't know. um I would have to talk to adapt to Trigger here. Like i when I need smash stuff like known, like I, I go to Dark Horse, I go to adapt to Trigger. I'm like, hey guys, like, what do you think of this? And then I take their opinions that are really smart and well educated, and I say, oh yeah, well, this is what I, do. you know, kind of. <laughs> I, I still they're really great knowledge and, and adapt it for my own. But I, I would have to check with both guys. I'm not sure yet. I would assume that that Richter's probably an Echo fighter, um just because their move set. I mean, how different can you make that? But I mean, you know, they've got three who, links. In the game, really maybe. quick,
0: who? Was? <laughs> yeah, who was Richter in the um, Castlevania series? Because I know Simon Belmont's like your main title character, the protagonist that you normally play as. But who's Richter?
1: Yeah, so um, Simon's in in uh, Castlevania One and Two. Uh, and then I think the third one, so they, they replaced him with someone else. And then Richter came in with the TurboGrafx-16 uh, Rondo of Blood, which is, if you guys have never played Rondo of Blood, uh, it's a throwback to old-school Castlevania. It's one of the best Castlevania games ever. I love that game so much. And I'm so disappointed I missed miss that as a kid. Um, but anyway, and then uh, Symphony of the Night, you actually start off playing Richter Belmont. Uh, and then uh, you recreate one of the scenes from uh, Rondo of Blood, like that end you know scene where you're fighting Dracula is actually the very end of Rondo of Blood. That you're doing uh, I guess it's the end of every Castlevania game but anyway um, but point aside and so you can unlock Richter Belmont and Symphony of the night which is I think the most popular Castlevania game and uh, and so he's he's kind of become a little bit of a uh, an iconic figure in the Castlevania series like onto himself even though he was not one of the originals uh, a lot of people love Richter uh, and again you know he you could unlock him to play him in the uh, most popular version of the, the game mm-hmm. so,
0: yeah, so so and are they brothers?
1: Uh they're all part of the Belmont clan. Uh, I think they're actually separated like the the games like um the games are all spanned over like because like every hundred years like dracula like rises from the dead right mm-hmm. and uh and depending on the game you play like he rises from the dead because they put those like pieces back together or whatever i don't know <laughs> uh it's video game logic right, right. you know what, what are you gonna do type stuff but um, uh, yeah so i think every hundred years basically these characters are kind of coming up so they're like you know they're the, the son grandson you know distant cousin second twice removed you know all that kind of stuff like that's kind of how this stuff goes if i remember correctly okay. right. so
0: Cool. So yeah, a lot of, and then um, really quickly, I think there was also Dark Samus, which I imagine will just be an echo of regular Samus.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think I caught that one, actually. Uh, Let me make sure. So I know we've talked about her a little bit. Yeah, we've done some speculation pieces on her. Oh yeah, Dark Samus announced. There we go. Like, wow, I was so hyped about the other characters. I didn't even notice her. Yeah,
0: and then that's cool. Like, um, not probably as hype as these other ones that we're talking about, but... Um, certainly like it's interesting and people will mess around with Dark samus and see if there's a little bit you know, difference from, from regular Samus and such. but um, you know the the was it Metroid Prime where she first popped up or was that even before, I think it was probably before even that. Um, and not Prime, but uh, uh, Echoes, I think it was called, which is funny. Mm. Um, Echo, yeah, Echo, yeah, yeah, on the <laughs> uh, on the GameCube, which was the first time I really played the Metroid games. I know there was a ton of uh, history before all that and such, but um, also works that you know you bring in Ridley and such. Oh, and bring in Dark Samus too. Is is kind of a Metroid heavy um, push there. But good news all across the board for for Smash. They continue to uh, smash the competition and 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 really set things up for what looks to be uh, you know. The, the best Smash Bros. that we've seen yet, um, uh, you know, built upon the backs of all the previous iterations in the franchise, listening to the community and, and doing everything that they can to make this game, um, you know, as, as shiny and nice as possible. And with what we've seen so far, I'm really encouraged that they're actually going to do that.
1: Yeah, me too. It's um, I, I do want to go, actually, to more of a, a negative subject, unfortunately, and talk about the Smash 4 Grand Finals at EVO. And uh, so for, for those who didn't see it, uh, Lima and uh, Captain Zach, both two Bayonetta players, got into Grand Finals. And uh, for those who don't follow Smash 4 very closely... Bayonetta is a character they've talked about banning multiple times. Um, everyone feels she's kind of like the number one character, at least in singles and doubles. It's still, you know, cloud, um, but in singles play, like Bayonetta is kind of regarded as basically just too damn good. Uh, her execution is is too easy. Uh, she can kill off a of very low percent, all that kind of stuff. Uh, she's not well thought of at all in the community, and so. I did not see this on stream and I, I don't quite know, you know, what happened exactly, but I guess Captain Zack like flipped off the crowd at one point in time, uh, maybe before grand finals or something like that because of how much booing and whatnot everyone was doing. It was just seeing, you know, so many bayonetas up there. And...
0: Well, and then at yeah, one point so they I'm,
1: both, um,
0: I don't know the name of the move, but she essentially pulls out like a shield or something in front of her. Um, it might be a counter, um, but she, they both pulled it out like on opposite ends of the uh, arena and just, yes. and just held that and didn't yeah, fight
1: and yeah they held that for actually i counted it because i wanted to go back and make sure for the pod and they held it for about two minutes and the crazy part is is like uh the 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 staff that's up there at evo they they always do a great job this evo staff are incredible um they kind of got up there like we're almost interviewing the players and like kind of talking about like hey guys you know kind of get this going again type stuff and at one point uh uh, uh, one of the the to's came up there with his laptop and he had the evo rule page like open and he's like look guys you can't like purposely stall the match and if you do it like you know like there's going to be repercussions and just so people know like what the repercussions are uh like evo has a yellow card and a red card system and a yellow card like you can get one and kind of be okay but you get two yellow cards and it becomes a red card which means i think like you get banned from the tournament or like banned or like you forfeit or something like that like it could be a big thing but um Anyway, uh, so recommended circumstances for issuing a yellow card. Excessive stalling or misconduct during a match. Uh, so repeatedly, accidentally picking the wrong character, taking a bathroom ba- break between games and a match. Uh, excessive physical contact with another player, uh, e.g. kicking out someone's stool. Like that's, I don't know when that happened during Evo history. I'm assuming it did because we're the fighting game community. That's kind of the <laughs> stuff that has happened in the past. But yeah, that one's a little bit more excessive. But obviously, um, uh, Lima and Captain Zack are, are good friends from what I understand. And both guys are great, great, great players. It was disappointing to kind of see it go down this way. And I, I think it was kind of retribution towards the crowd and just people mouthing off so much at Bayonetta and just, you know, saying, like, how much a character, like, is overpowered and, and, like, you guys are low skill and whatnot. So they were kind of giving, you know, a giant middle finger basically to everyone by by stalling in the middle of the match. And they eventually picked it back up and and started, you know, playing the game. And, you know, it played out. And, uh, and and Yeah. But it was it was not a good look, you know, kind of thing. It, and, and I it think it felt book, like a yeah.
0: goofy side tournament that you do because there's like a brand new. Like when the team mode came out in the Street Fighter, we um, we had like a little side team tournament at an event because like we just wanted to check it out, see what it was like, and um, and like people weren't playing their best; they were playing alternate characters and goofing around and trying to. See, you know, how many of a specific move they could hit in around It just felt like really nonchalant and cavalier. And that's what this felt like, except for the fact that it was Evo Grand Finals. And you go, what yes. the heck? Like, how how can you be doing this during Evo Grand Finals? And if you look at the, the motivations of the players, the crowd and stuff, it makes sense that those things would happen. They just all happened to go, you know, happened at the same time. And the equation led to we're going to have like a goof off time in EVO Grand Finals, which is ultimately kind of, you know, disrespectful to the event, disrespectful to the audience. Um, the audience was being disrespectful to the players, but I think you have a certain sense of responsibility to your event that you're playing at and to the, uh, the people that you're playing in front of, um, you know, just to EVO in general to like, you know, maintain that sense of professionalism when you're up there to an extent and um yeah
1: the whole reason people are tuning in is to watch you play the game you know kind of thing like and that's why people are there it's why they're in the crowd and other stuff like that they want to see you play and i I get it the haters have gotten to us on numerous occasions where it's like well i don't want to do this anymore you know kind of thing and it's like that sucks and and in the heat of the moment both guys are very young uh i think they're they're both teenagers i could be wrong about that i know they're they're younger players though, at the very least and and I'm getting the sense, and I, I haven't looked into it in depth, and we have a story coming up about this. Ad- Adaptive Trigger is working on it. Um, I get the sense that if both players had to do it all over again, they probably would not do that. I I don't think it was a good look that they were particularly proud of. I think the the heat of the moment, the intensity, the energy, all that kind of stuff, kind of got to them, and they were just kind of like, "F you!" Like, bayonet is fine. Like, I I mean, imagine you have worked to get all the way to grand finals of Evo, you know, and instead of of getting you know some cheers and some you know like you know you expect some jeers from people and whatnot but you you know you're getting just a bunch of booze And, and everyone's like you suck your character sucks blah 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 and older more mature players that have been through this a few more times probably would have handled it a little bit better you know kind of thing uh so yeah I I, I'm kind of of like it's not the the hugest of deals I did want to talk about a little bit and address it on the podcast I I think both players will live this down and kind of move on from it you know they ended up playing out the match it went just fine you know um, it's just a little unfortunate you know it's and it's probably
0: the last we'll see almost certainly the last we'll see of Smash 4 at Evo and like this was the note it went out on Uh, you know Uh, the franchise uh, is not gonna die the the players reputations are not gonna die it was just a little bit of a you know an unfortunate turnout Uh, not the worst thing in the world but yeah you live and you learn and you move on
1: yeah um so i, I guess that's kind of where we should end uh, the, the smash stuff i did actually do want to talk um really quickly about uh character usage and my goodness there's so much stuff that happened at evo and we'll probably get into it here next week but talking about little majin's run in tekken 7 um what he did and kind of like there there's a, a good amount to discuss there and then uh the infamous side switch in grand finals of dragon ball fighters uh, with uh, Sonic Fox and Goichi and um, the reset happening. And man, man, I love that there's all this drama like surrounding like grand finals, like breaks, you know, kind of thing. Like lately, it's like the first it was E-League and now it's like the Evo Dragon Ball Fighters, like, you know, thing. It's like, I, I'm just kind of expecting like, like i don't know what's gonna happen next like it's gonna be like the grand finals and like it, the reset happens and like someone's like joystick like explodes you know kind of thing. no one gets hurt but like the joystick like it's kind of like the, the drama keeps getting up, up you know kind from of things here, for, like, yeah. <laughs> yes, the yeah, we have to we have to go further but um anyway but we will get into that but man we're already running up against it but um i, I just really wanted to talk about uh character usage here real quick um and since we're on the subject of smash four here uh just to kind of put this in context here, in, in top sixty four there were seven bayonetta players, and next was six with Fox, and next was another six with, with Sheik. Bayonetta is very good in this game, but like yeah, there, there's a constant. Um, there's a constant dialogue in the community that she's very overrated to. And so I don't know, again, uh, this is really out of my wheelhouse. I'm just kind of repeating what I've heard from other people who are much more intelligent than I am. Uh, is, and, uh, yeah, so it's hard to keep this stuff in context. In, in the fighting game history, Like we, we just kind of know that uh, things are not always as they appear. That would be the best way of saying it. But um, anyway, it quickly run down here. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, uh, Melee uh, character usage in here. We always know Fox is number one. He's got 16, Sheik 14. It's Melee, you've got like a top 10, top 12 characters that like you see in tournament, you kind of don't see too many others uh, and whatnot. Uh, and then let me see. Oh, yeah. Uh so I have a thing with Arxis. Uh Arxis games that they always release like a super overpowered character uh in the first iteration of their games and it's like that character is always just so dominant, and we kinda saw that again here at Evo or uh Ruby in Blas Blue Cross Tag Battle. They had twenty people playing her and yeah. Uh so that's kind of the the infamous arxis stuff, and then like you have to buy another um, uh, you have to buy another game, basically, to get the balance patch. I really hope that goes away. <laughs> I hope that does not happen. They just released it as DLC. I think they're doing that more in modern times now. But, yeah. Uh, that was something, again, it's just like, damn it, Arxis. Like, why do you always do that? Why do you always have, like, a just totally broken character? Um, but, uh, but yeah. And then, uh, let me see. We, we had 30 cells in Dragon Ball Fighters In top 64? Um and, and yes, and, and top 64. And uh, he just got nerfed today. Uh, it's very interesting what they're doing with Dragon Ball Fighters in terms of, of like how often they're updating the game. It's like they waited for Evo, and they're like, hey, hey, here's another balance patch, you know, kind of thing, like like check this out type thing. And Cell got some what well, looks like significant nerfs here. Uh, Bardock has become way too dominant in the scene. There was 20 of him. Uh, that was actually fourth place in there. Uh, Kid Buu and uh, Vegeta uh, were actually above those two. Uh, Kid Buu had 25, and then Vegeta had 22. So, so there's there's interesting stuff like it's a you know it's a 3v3 game so the rules are a little bit different and all that but um but yeah and um, no
0: camis in top eight of Street Fighter 5
1: yes cami. Uh, but two Mika's, There were which is
0: interesting yes
1: <laughs> yes so um so Cammy was actually the number one character again. No shock to anyone because anytime we do character usage stats for Street Fighter uh, Five, Cammy's always number one now uh, in season three point five. Um, but she was number eight. This is top sixty four. Uh, Guile was next, and then Karen of all characters, which I think is a pretty big shock to most people. Um, Birdie, who you know, I mean, I. I still think Birdie's a great character. Uh, he's kind of undersold a little bit. Then we had uh, Bison, Abigail, and then Abuki and Minot, and that kind of rounds out. Like, there's a bunch of other people, you know, playing these other characters. You've got, you know, Mika, Dawson, Rashid, all that kind of stuff. But like, once you kind of get out of a certain tier, it's kind of not worth mentioning too much. Uh, it kind kind of becomes a little bit of a. A little bit more of a, like a fluke or uh, like who's playing who, you know, kind of thing. But but yeah, so um, th- interesting rundown here from uh, Dark Horse. He mentioned that uh, the base roster had thirty six people on it. Um, or I'm, I'm my apologies. This was Adapter Trigger who wrote this. Uh, base roster thirty six uh, people in top sixty four. Um, and then season one had nineteen. Season two had thirteen. Season three had one character in top sixty four. Hmm. And that was Blanca. That was Blanca. So. So, yeah, in, uh, yeah I, I don't want to beat this dead horse because we've been over this before, but there was a reason how come we wrote that uh, the season three kind of, characters kind of sucked. I'm going to say the they flat out sucked, but kind of sucked until now, you know, kind of thing. And, like, I think everyone's been pretty happy with uh, Cody G and Sagat. Um, but, yeah, there, there's a reason we wrote that. And, uh, you know, the, yeah, people don't like it, but there's, there's a reason. So. <laughs> Very much, yeah. Um,
0: Well, and I also well, we can save it for the next one. Maybe we'll do like a part two of the Evo recap or something like that. But um, there, we did do an event Hums versus our Street Fighter um, exhibition at Bar Fights, and we did have a season three character do a lot of uh, work for us. So we can mention that and kind of delve into that a little bit too, because there's some stuff to be talked about there.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and overall, I just, I want to say that I loved Evo, even though I was working crazy shifts to go do it and, and just kind of going like you, when you're start, you know, losing sleep and you're, you're not able to move too much from your chair and all that kind of stuff. Like it really kind of eats away at you at the same time, man, I enjoyed it. It was a great tournament year uh, for Evo and so many great announcements. Uh, the action was great. Like, I, it was it was just very fun, you know. And, and the fact that we've got so much to talk about here on the podcast and we're literally saying, yeah, we, we're going to have to say this for another time, like, I think is a good bit of evidence of that. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I hope everyone had a great time listening to it. And, uh, oh, um, one of the things, too, is uh, we've been having people come up to us and say how much they love the pod uh John you had a couple of people come up to you, to Evo uh at Evo and talk to you about that yep,
0: right Yep yep and that was very encouraging people uh, given some pretty good feedback excited to hear what we have to say about this or about that and so um thank you guys so much for your support thus far we're we're trying to grow it as much as we can and and reach as many people with this kind of a thing um so i mean uh there's there's not a ton to say beyond like thank you so much and and please yes. continue to uh, listen and, and, and send your feedback in, you know, when, when you have something that you either want us to talk about or something that you think we should do differently or whatever, we're, we're all ears, you know, because this is a very, this is a first venture in a lot of ways for us. And so we're very excited, but we're also very new at it. And, um, and yeah, we really appreciate the support from you guys thus far and hope it continues to uh, thrive and grow in the future.
1: All right, guys. That's going to wrap us up for this week. But once again, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, the feedback is wonderful. Uh, we're having a blast doing this. If you can't hear it from our voices, like we, we really love doing this. It's so much fun. Uh, we're just trying to figure this out and, and make it better. And so, again, uh, that's all we've got for this week. And we'll be back with you guys soon.
0: All right, guys. See you later.